Hi, welcome to Moments with Marilyn. I'm your host, Marilyn Boyer, the mom of 14 homeschool kids who love the Lord and love each other. It's my passion to encourage young moms and give you tips and tools to help you on your journey. Thanks so much for joining us today. We have an exciting podcast today. We've got a special guest, Rick Boyer, my oldest son, and he is going to help you learn how you can get involved in the public arena, even if you've got little kids in your family. So before we get started, let me remind you, you can access our podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, our YouTube channel, our Facebook page, wherever you choose to access your podcasts. So thanks for joining us. This is Rick Boyer, and he is my oldest son, my oldest child, born on my birthday, as a matter of fact. That's coming up. (laughs) It is. And he is an expert on grassroots politics. So I promised you, we did a a podcast a few weeks ago about know your history to protect your freedom. And that's the first step. If you didn't catch that podcast, you might want to go back and listen to that too. But you've got to know, especially the founding of this country, the history, where we've come from, to realize that we're losing our freedoms today. But Rick's going to tell us how we can protect those freedoms and what you as a family can do with everyone in your family, with all your kids, to help protect our freedom. So Rick, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got interested in politics well, a long we, time ago. <laughs> originally, it was 1980. Um, we grew up without television, and my dad was going to our friend's house down the street to watch the presidential election returns in the 1980 election. And I knew nothing about elections, so we asked, we asked him who the good guy was, and he said it was Ronald Reagan. And so. We went to bed all jittery, hoping that this good guy named Ronald Reagan would win the presidency, which, of course, he did. Uh, four years later, I watched the or, or listened to on the radio the, the vice presidential debate between George Bush, uh, 41, and Geraldine Ferraro. By the 88 election, I was uh, getting political magazines and following uh, with an intricate detail the, the primaries and the conventions with, I think that year it was Bob Dole and Pat Robertson and uh, Jack Kemp and the other Republicans running for the nomination, and was I was pretty much hooked from there. <laughs> you were. How did you get involved in grassroots politics? I remember taking Rick to be involved before he could even drive. Yeah, I would was, drive him around. That was that was thirty years ago this year. Uh, it was 1991 at 16, just before I turned 17. Uh, our good friend Steve Newman, who is our state senator here in Lynchburg, uh, Virginia. Steve was running for his it was his first successful run for the House of Delegates in the Lynchburg area, and then a few years later he moved on to the state senate. But uh, I had become friends with some of the college Republicans over at Liberty University, and they were kind enough to drive me around to go put up yard signs. Uh, My mom and dad drove me to the Republican headquarters in town. We went and taped the yard signs together and then went out with the college Republican buddies and drove the yard signs in the ground. I'm trying to remember if I worked at the polls that year, but this year will be, the, I guess, the 30th anniversary of of being involved in in, the volunteer uh, uh, conservative activism for candidates who believe the the things that we do. Okay, the people um, that watch this podcast are like cream of the crop people. They care about our country, they care about freedom, they care about their family, but I think there are so many people that are scared, like we're losing our freedoms at a fast rate. What can we do? What can families do, even if they've got little guys in the family? How can they well, get involved? They are, they're scared for good reason. Uh, the, 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 I don't know. There's a couple of primary reasons we've lost freedom. One is we've allowed 
the public education system to indoctrinate generations of Americans without any of that understanding of the history and the founding of our country. Uh, the other primary reason is that we've gotten too accustomed to freedom. Freedom is something that's always under threat from Nazis or communists or fundamentalist Islamic extremists. It's never something that's under threat in this country. Um, and we've become too used to it, too accustomed to it. It's something that we send soldiers overseas to fight for. It's not something we individually have had to fight for. Well, and we've, we've taken it for granted, and as, as a result, we've lost it. Um, we, we sing about it on the 4th of July, and we salute the flag at the ball games, and, be, and we vote on Election Day. Beyond that, we just assume that freedom is, is something that happens naturally. Uh, freedom does not happen naturally. The people who want to take it away are passionate, they are active, they're motivated, they have lots of money, they control the media, they, right now they control our government, they control uh, the entertainment and sports world, uh, they control corporate America, and you, you oftentimes feel like, well, there's nothing I can do about it. The reason we've gotten to this point is because Christians and people who understand the values and the founding and the history of this country have left the job of preserving liberty to other people. Uh, Benjamin Franklin, he came out of the uh, Constitution Hall and as, they were, uh, as our founders were preparing the Constitution, and a woman on the street asked him, said, Mr. Franklin, what have you all given us? And he said, well, a republic if you can keep it. Uh, we've forgotten that charge, we've forgotten that responsibility, and we've forgotten to keep the republic that, um, that our founders bequeathed to us. Uh, what's exciting to me, in, in the middle of being afraid, in the middle of the, the frustration and the, the anger of, of what's happening in Washington and, and our state capital here in Virginia, is watching so many garden-variety, freedom-loving Americans who have taken it for granted, who have enjoyed it, the, the benefits now for generations, who are starting to realize, I've got to do something to preserve it. Uh, that's the, that is the silver lining in what's happening. And if enough people, I'm, I'm seeing it in, in movement after movement, whether it's the Second Amendment, whether it's homeschooling, whether it is the folks who are opposed to forced vaccinations, and if you like vaccinations for whatever disease, great, that's fine, it, should, it, it ought to be your, your choice. But the idea that the government is forcing you to put stuff in your body without your choice uh, is, is awakening people. Here in Virginia now, they're trying to force COVID vaccinations on every public school child. We're fighting over that now. Uh, people are, well, and if you, if you don't get vaccinated, your employer can fire you. I mean, they're, they're really trying to force people out of the economy. And the silver lining, as I say, is that people are realizing this is on me. I cannot depend on my soldiers. I can't depend on my handful of good politicians. I can't depend, depend on groups like ACLJ or Liberty Council or Alliance Defending Freedom to do it for me. I have got to take personal responsibility for freedom. Uh, that's the silver lining, and that's what it's going to take if this is going to turn around. Okay, so someone's listening to you. They're saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. What can they do? What can they practically do to get involved? Everything from little things to difficult things. Um, as I say, in, in my case, it was just a matter of finding a college Republican buddy with a driver's license to, to uh, take me around to knock on doors and put up yard signs for candidates. Um, you can take your kids, even little kids, to work at the polls on election day. Um, the candidates you support will be thrilled to have you hand out their flyers and, and talk to people. Uh, to be honest, what I've learned in years of doing it, um, it's easier if you're working at the polls, people will stop to, to talk to the cute little kid, even if they're blowing by you on their way in, they want to vote, they want to go to work. 
uh, they're flying on through to vote. They don't want to talk to me, but they're happy to talk, stop and talk to the cute little kids. And then they get the flyer and they hear about your, your candidate. Well, they're stopped yeah. to talk to the, the cute little kid. The little kid um, that understands the issues. That's the, yes, yeah, yeah. Which, which blows their mind. Yeah. The little child understands the issues and can speak to them. Uh, one example is my littlest sister, Casey, who, <laughs> when she was talking, but still had her cute little lisp and the, the little girl voice, uh, she was working at the polls one day, and I don't even remember the candidate, but uh, my mom was instructing her and said, don't wait for the grown-up to come by and take your flyer, because they're really not that interested. You need to walk up, engage them in conversation, give them the flyer, tell them something about your candidate. So Casey strategically starts watching people come in and, and observing what she can from their appearance. One man comes in with his wearing camo from head to foot. So Casey walks up to him and says, do you like, do you like to keep your guns? Are you concerned about your guns? The man says, yeah, I'm very concerned about my gun. Well, then you'll want to vote for this guy and hands him the flyer. Um, and he, was, he stopped and he thought it was cute and he took the flyer and, and thanked her for, for doing what she was doing. Where if it had just been me standing there as the grown-up to hand him the flyer, he might have blown by and, and not paid any attention. Um, well, he came out and said, I voted for you, man. And, he, yeah. and, and, and you'll, most of the people, by the time they get to the polls, have already made up their minds. But when you're knocking on doors leading up to the election, uh, I've learned most people will give you about 30 seconds. You're, you're butting in on their day. You're butting in on, your life, on their life. You're a stranger at their doorstep. They want to get back to their weekend or their evening at dinner time. Uh, but if there's a cute little kid there, they might give you 90 seconds or two minutes to talk and, and sell your candidate. Um, there's so much that families can do. You can stuff envelopes at the headquarters. We have our local Republican headquarters here. Um, in Virginia, we were luckless enough to have elections every single year, so the, the volunteer <laughs> activist types never get a break. But uh, we have our local Republican headquarters, I don't know, a few miles from here, and volunteers come, uh, older folks and, and kids and homeschoolers who, who don't have jobs during the day, can come in and work the, at the headquarters and hand out uh, materials to folks coming in looking for yard signs and, and help to sell the candidates. Uh, if you've got a truck, put up the yard signs, the, the big 4x4, four 4x8 four, four yard signs. If you have an older child who's good at graphic design and, or, or TV production, uh, we actually had a, a battle here in uh, Campbell County over a meals tax that the, uh, the government was trying to impose. They ended up succeeding by just a few votes. But uh, We had a homeschooled teenage kid who actually produced the ad that we ran on our local television channel uh, opposing the meals tax. Uh, who, he volunteered his time. I think we, we paid him a little something for it. But he volunteered his time to do the digital production for us to put this ad on, the, on Channel 13 News opposing the, the meals tax. Um, there's so much that your, uh, your children, your family can do. I often joke that the only time my kids get to see their dad is if they're knocking on doors with me or working at the polls with me, going to conventions with me. This is something you can do and should do. Uh, it depends on your state. Uh, the, the rules, election law is different from state to state. Uh, but if you, you watch the presidential races, you'll see the, the New Hampshire primary or the Iowa caucuses or other states have conventions. So there's different methods of selecting candidates for office. But one thing we have in Virginia is conventions. If it's a primary, you just vote on primary day at your, your normal polling place. Anybody can do that. At a convention, you actually have to get yourself elected as a delegate to the convention. In some states, like California, that means running for office, raising money, handing out flyers. In Virginia, it basically just means you tell your local Republican or Democrat party chairman, hey, I would, I'd like to be a delegate to the convention. They'll sign you up. Conventions are very, very poorly attended. Uh, last year, this is maybe one of my favorite examples, we had a Republican congressman who represented us who, in my book, was, 
think it's not really worth the powder it would take to blow him up. Uh, we were working hard to replace him. We had a, a good candidate, a, a staunch Christian man who actually had served on our Board of Supervisors here in Campbell County. Um, it's a long story in and of itself. But uh, we were working for him. We had a lot of Christian folks going, a lot of homeschool folks going, uh, a lot of concerned parents uh, that, were, that were attending. We ended up with 2,500 people. This is a district with 750,000 registered voters. It's larger than the state of New Jersey, uh, the, the 5th Congressional District here in Virginia. Ended up with 2,500 people that chose the Republican nominee for Congress. And Bob Good, our new congressman, was, was nominated with about 58% of those 2,500 people. Some counties sent as little as 8 or 10 delegates to that convention out of their 20-some counties in the district. Some of them had hundreds, and some had 8 or 10 people. Uh, there have been times at Republican conventions here in Virginia, some counties have not sent a single person. Uh, and each county has a certain uh, guaranteed number of delegate votes that are uh, prescribed for that county. So if one person would have shown up in that county, they would have cast all eight or 10 or 15, whatever number of delegate votes were assigned to that county. If one person had come, they would have cast all 15 of those votes and nobody came. Uh, other other times, eight or ten people come. If a large homeschooled family shows up or a, or a lot of people from your church show up, you will dominate the vote at that convention. The, the truth is, and I've said this many, many times, if you would get one active church in each county in Virginia that cared and that was involved, that group of churches would absolutely control the candidates that the Republican Party ran for office in, in this state. Uh, by virtue of the, the small number of people that are involved in conventions. Now, our friends in the new General Assembly are trying to ban conventions, and that's going to probably be litigated before it's over. But for years now here in Virginia, small groups of passionate, committed people have been able to do things like replace powerful incumbent congressmen. We were outspent 10 to 1. Um, uh, I think the incumbent spent about a million. We spent just over $100,000 to, to win that nomination because of passionate, committed, intense people who wanted to preserve freedom. And now, if you Google Bob Good, you'll see him all over Fox News and taking a stand and one of the best congressmen in the country defending freedom. Um, actually, as I was saying, it was a longer story. Um, I was working at the polls back in 2014 here in Campbell County. Um, and I have a habit at this point of talking to people as they come in or, or go back out to their car, engage them in conversation. And if folks seem like they're on the same wavelength, I'll ask them, hey, have you ever considered running for public office? Well, Bob was one of those. I'd never met him. I, I knew his brother, as it turned out, not knowing they were related. But I'd never met Bob, and I talked to him, thought he sounded like a like-minded person. The following year, I asked him to run for the Board of Supervisors. He agreed to do it. He was elected, and from that position, uh, was elected to, uh, to Congress last year. Uh, so it matters. Uh, it matters that you're involved. It matters that you... Uh, play a part. I mean, it can be anything from, as we said, stuffing an envelope, making a phone call, all the way up to recruiting candidates for Congress and helping to, to get them nominated. Which you've done a lot of that. Okay, we're going to take a break here and stop, and we will be back again next week. You will not want to miss this episode. We'll have Rick back with us again next week. So goodbye for this week.